Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Come on and check-in with me. Come on and check-in with me. Mental health check-in with Lee. Welcome, welcome back to another episode of Mental Health Check-In with Talik. Today, I have a special guest, um, David Torres. My brother, thank you for being a guest on the podcast today. Oh, man, the pleasure is all mine. I mean, this is crazy. Uh, I've been wanting to share my story for the longest, and... I mean, this is one of the doors that is opening, so I'm excited. Yes, thank you. So let's get into these questions, my brother. My first question for you, I ask this to all my guests. This is the first question. I'm never going to change this first question, but I want to ask you, how is your mental health? Uh, at this moment, it's great. Um, I can tell you that before it wasn't like this, uh, I, I've been on... I've been on a roller coaster um, since I was little, uh, yeah. but now I'm in a place where I can say my mental health is good. It's good. There's always up and up, up and down, like anybody else, but it's yeah. good. It's good. Thank you. I like to ask that question. Um, I feel like a tape recorder. When I say this. I like to ask that question because, like, I feel like that's a dope question to ask somebody instead of saying how are you doing. I feel like we ask somebody how's their mental health, it opens a door to be like, you know what, I'm not okay, you know, and then have a conversation after that, if the person is open. So thank yeah. you for answering that. Thank you so much. No, that's actually a good question. I never thought it about it that way. That's really good. I'm going to take note on that. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. Um, my next question for you, growing up as a child, was it okay not to be okay for you? You know, I, I guess you get used to not being okay. Um, I was meditating on, on that actually the other day because, you know, it was, never, it was never okay to talk about being depressed. It was never okay to talk about being suicidal. And you just put, you just put a, a smile uh, on your face in front of your family and friends when in reality you want to scream that you were not okay but you know you get used to that I guess and you know you wake up every day depressed back then and you just put a, a fake smile yeah yeah it's um crazy how like different households you know different cultures you get different, I get different answers all the time. And I love, that's another question I like to ask because you just never know if it was okay not to be okay. Some people it was, some people it wasn't, you know? So thank you for answering that so honestly, man. Thank you. Um, my next question for you is, um, there's a stigma surrounding mental health, right? But there's also a stigma surrounding men's mental health. What do you say to that stigma when people say, you know, men, can't cry men can't be depressed men you just gotta get over it you know man up what do you say to that stigma you know it's, it's interesting because at first i thought it was a culture thing but i i think that it's more of a society thing that yeah. 
we, we're supposed to always show our strong side, our character, you know, we're men, we're not supposed to cry. And what I realized is that I, I hurt my son um, because of it. I, uh, I was really rough with him uh, and including my wife. And the thing is that it is okay for men to cry. It is okay to feel emotions. And, yes. and now I'm in a place where if I feel a certain way, if my day is not going the, the way that I, that I plan it to be, yeah. I, I can go to my wife and say, man, I'm, I'm, I'm depressed today. Uh, it didn't yeah. go as planned. Uh, I'm feeling a certain way. And she's there for me. Um, and, and, you know, we, 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 the, the, the people that have a platform like you and others, uh, we need to speak about these things constantly to show society, to show social media that it's okay that we can be as truthful and honest if we feel a certain way that we can express it. It, it, it doesn't make us uh, less of a man because we, we feel a certain way. Uh, yeah. And and then celebrate those days that we feel good. Yes, man. That's so 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 good. So so good. Um, I hate that there's a stigma, you know, like I hate it. I just wish, you know, so many men suffer in silence and it's not okay, you know. Um, you know, just recently they lost the guy Twitch from you know, other other during yeah um, the generous show. You know, he died. I'm going to make sure I say the right term. He died by suicide, guys. The right term is died by suicide. He died by suicide. Yeah. And then I think I was reading online the other day that the um, owner, whoever it was, David Busters, you know, he died by suicide, too. So, you know, mm -hmm. just so many men are just suffering in silence. And, you know, it's a stigma. You know, I just wish that, you know, that it wasn't it a is, stigma at all. It is sad because I was, I was hearing... It was it was like a podcast, and I was I was listening to the guy saying to a to a girl, a whole bunch of girls, you know that they 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 express what kind of man they they want, and then yeah. <clears throat> and then the guy goes, well, I guarantee you, if we show emotions, if we had a bad day, that you're gonna leave that man right away because. Social media is telling you how a man is. And, and as soon as the, the man is going to show emotions, you're going to leave him because we, we are supposed to be protective, which I, I, I think that we, we are. Um, but just because we, we feel sad on uh, a certain day, that doesn't mean that we cannot be protective. It's just that we're sad. It's just that that our day didn't go as planned, and, and we certain we we feel a certain way, or we we just feel depressed because of of whatever uh, we went through as a kid, and then all of a sudden that that um, thought of what happened to us is creeping back, and we we feel sad that that day, and and it's so true. It's so true that you know the stigma that man cannot show emotions. Ah man, it's 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 upset. It, it it gets me upset because you know I'm thankful that I have a wife that uh, understands me, 
but before she said she couldn't because I was not able to express how I felt. And so she didn't know the, why I was that way. Um, but it's so true, man. Society, especially, especially social media. Social media could be a good tool to uh, promote uh, these platforms that we have. But at the same time, we got to be careful with them because what they portrayed of what a man is, uh, is, is, is so wrong. Yeah, thank you for that. Because I agree everything that you said. Um, my next question for you, um, well, not question, I just want you to tell the people your story. Um, guys, David is a survivor of sexual abuse. And um, I would love for you to tell your story, you know, what happened. Okay, so so basically, uh, my first experience, uh, I can tell you that I was around maybe four to six years old. Uh, um, my one of my sisters went to my room and he decided to play with me. So yeah, he laid me on top of her and she started grinding, and that was my first uh, sort of like a sexual experience for me. Uh, I didn't know what was happening. I felt like a lot of emotions. Uh, and then one of the things that confused me was that people tell me, oh, this is bad. Uh, we're not going to do this again. I remember we were washing our hands in the bathroom and she, while she was saying this. Yeah. And, and that experience um, teach me secrecy. And at the same time, depressing because I was like, okay, so he's playing with me at night, um, but then he tells me that this is bad. So, you know, that was that was my first experience. I really don't remember how many times uh, that event occurred, but I know it was multiple times. And then as I as I was growing up. <clears throat> uh, so my brother, he he got me. I'm I'm the youngest of five. Yeah. My brother got married. I think he was 18 or so when I was when this event occurred with my sister. Yeah. And so he left the house. You know, he he went to build his own family and whatnot. So <clears throat> I I know now that I was always looking for that older brother, the protector, the hero figure in my neighbors. So. One of my neighbors, um, he likes music and sports and whatnot. So, so one day in the street that I grew up in, in Puerto Rico, yeah. um, everybody knew each other. Uh, all the parents knew their, 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 their kids and whatnot playing around. So these are times where there was no internet, there was no cell phones, and you know, you just go to the house, you knock on the door, you call out the names of, of your friends and they will come on and they will say, hey, come in, whatnot. So this time I'm, I'm going to my neighbor's house, his cousin is, is there and I'm playing with his cousin. And all of a sudden this neighbor, which he's older than me, he probably was in, 18 to 20, maybe 22. I really don't remember. I was still young. I, I didn't even reach 10 years old. He wanted to kiss me. Oh, wow. And, and this is going back and forward. So he made it like a 
play like a soap opera in, in Spanish, we call it telenovela. Yeah. And he did it like a play where we are kissing and then his cousin is walking on us and, and act as a surprise. And then when he was done with me, he did the same thing with his cousin. And then I will walk out and find them, you know, kissing and I will act all surprised. Yeah. So instead of me telling you my first kiss was with a beautiful girl, it wasn't. It wasn't. And this is something that will mark you for life. Uh, my first kiss was with an older man. Um, I mean, he was young, but he was still a man. And, yeah. and, and that scarred me for life because I remember, you know, when, when, while you're growing up, uh, you know, there's always conversations. Hey, so have you kissed that girl yet? And I will have to lie or avoid the conversation. Um, because I knew that that was not my case. And <clears throat> instead of uh, him, you know, be there as a, as a good neighbor or, yeah. or a brother that I was looking for, it wasn't the case. He, he was just there to, to play with me. And then in another instance, uh, I want to say I was between the age of 10, 11, uh, I noticed that this neighbor, he liked to, um, there's a name for it, but he liked to prepare animals to then display them in the living room. They, they will put them on the wall. So they will, so he was, he was a hunter basically with a BB rifle. So I noticed that he was cleaning the animals outside and, and, and I asked him, Hey, well, can, can you, uh, teach me how to shoot? Um, so he let me uh, hold the rifle and whatnot. So, so in our neighbor, in in our neighborhood, we had a back then we had a, like a, an abandoned golf course. Yeah. Um, that people would do bad stuff in there and whatnot, but they would go and and shoot, and they would go and do whatever the case might be with yeah. horses and whatnot. So I asked my mom if I could go, and she gave me the okay. So I I went with him. And after we were done shooting, he asked me for me to do with him what I had done with others. Wow. And I remember, and I'm like, wait, so I was not supposed to tell my secret, but I guess between the neighbors, they were talking to each other. Yeah. Because I remember my first neighbor that uh, teach me how to kiss, he told me not to say anything. Uh, and then there's this guy telling me, hey, I want you to do to me what you have done with others. And I don't remember what happened after that because that day nothing happened. Yeah. But then I kept going back because I, I felt like, you know, this guy seen uh, yeah. the, uh, there's a brother figure here. Um, he's teaching me how to shoot. Uh, He's teaching me uh, his hobby and whatnot. So, so one day uh, I'm at his house and he's working again on his hobby, you know, cleaning animals, preparing them and whatnot. And all of a sudden he, he asked me, hey, let's go to my room. Uh, I want to show you something. And there was nobody else in the house. So I go to his room and the first thing that he pulls out of his uh, underneath the um, 
his bathroom, his bed. It's yeah. a dirty magazine. Again, that this before internet, before yeah, before cell phones, everything was hard copy. Yeah. So the first thing that I noticed is penthouse, big letters and naked girl on the front cover. And then he tells me this is an, a real real man's magazine, open it up. So I started looking and all these images, you know, penetration everywhere. So this is this was new for me. I've never seen a dirty magazine before. Yeah. Uh, so I'm feeling all these emotions. I, I remember having an erection. And, and then he asked me, have you seen a porn movie? Oh, wow. And I never heard this, this term before, a porn yeah. movie. What is this? And so, of course, I told him no. Yeah. So he grabbed one of those VHS cassettes, those big ones that nobody knows who, what they are right now. And then... You know, this all this VR, then when you you uh, hit the eject button, it will open up on the top. Um, and then he will press play. And here are the images that I have never seen before, or a movie that I had never seen before. And I'm having all these reactions in front of my neighbor. So my neighbor decided to caress my, my back, my leg. And then he pulls down my shorts and he started performing all the sex on me. So I was so young that I had, you know, I couldn't ejaculate because I'm young. So yeah. after he was done being down there, he asked me to do the same thing for him. And I remember telling him no. And I wanted to leave. I wanted to go to my house. And I remember him telling me to be quiet because he didn't want the neighbors to hear me. Yeah. And he started to pull my my head towards his uh, penis. And I just remember that at some point, me wanting to me wanting to go home. Yeah. I opened up my mouth, and he decided to put his penis uh, in my mouth. And I can tell you that I detached my mind from my body yeah. while he was in, in my mouth. And all I can think of was, I'm going to be home. I'm going to be home. So when he was done, you know, he pulled out to ejaculate. And I just remember going home. I don't know how I got there. I just remember me being in my bathroom. Yeah. Uh, pulling toothpaste and the amount of toothpaste that I use didn't took away how dirty I felt. Uh, I I remember being depressed and but for some reason I kept going back. I um I kept going back and every time it was just to do oral sex. And I remember that didn't, that didn't end it until he got married. The guy got married, he continued with his life. While in my mind, I, I was a, a preteen. I, I remember having suicidal thoughts, being depressed, 
And the crazy thing is that it didn't end up, it didn't end there because, um, and I'm gonna give you, because there's so much information that I can give you, but I'm just gonna go straight to the point on, on, on my sexual experience or my trauma. Yeah. So at one point, because of the way my life was, my parents and my brother, I guess my mom talked to my, to my brother and, and told my brother, hey, you need to, to help your little brother. I don't know what's wrong with him. I was yeah. in a rock band back then, and I guess she didn't like the way my life was going. Yeah. So my brother took me to the church he was going. Uh, I was introduced to the to the youth pastor. Yeah. And this youth pastor took me under his wing. He became my mentor. Um, spiritual guidance, not only to me, but to my family. Yeah. So he, he will visit me at my house. Uh, he will call me and say, hey, how you doing and whatnot. He will take me to his preaching. So wow. he, this, this, he was a well-known preacher in the South area of uh, Puerto Rico. And then he was getting well-known uh, on the North side as well. So, you know, he, he would present me in, in, in front of congregations, hey, this is a, a kid that I'm helping. In other instances, he will present me as a, as a friend. Yeah. So, you know, he was, he was making me feel like really good. Like people will, after the service, services were over, people would come to me and, and, and I felt, wow, like, you know, I'm, I'm the preacher's friend, you know, like, so he gave me a job. Uh, he teach me how to drive. He took me to take out my license, and everything was going well. So one one night after we had an outing and whatnot, I I I felt like I needed to express to him, I open up my heart and tell him, hey, listen, I'm I'm, I'm struggling with this. I'm suicidal. I am depressed because of my sexual problems. And in his car, he's telling me, you're going to be okay. I'm here for you. Don't feel alone. I'm going to help you. So I'm like, wow, I feel great, you know? So the place to hang out uh, that all the youth, especially the male youth, will go. It, it was at his house. Again, this is when there was probably the internet was starting over there in Puerto Rico, but not quite. Yeah. So, you know, the, the only pastime that we had was to either watch a movie or I think back then a game console that was out was probably either Sega or hey, Nintendo Sega. 64 or something like that. I really don't remember. <laughs> so we will hang out in his, in his bedroom. And I never thought of anything because the youth will, will be there. And sometimes it was just uh, only me and him. Yeah. So one night I'm in his bedroom and, and I'm laying on his bed watching a movie. And all of a sudden this guy jump, jumps on me. 
with his paws on and he started grinding until he ejaculated. And I was just froze. Yeah. It, it, memories of when my, my sister did this to me, came back. Yeah. And when he was done, he has like this grin on his face, like, like a smile, kind of like diabolical smile. Like, yeah. and I didn't know what to say. I didn't know what to say. Uh, I, I, I remember that I told him to take me home. And and on our way home, he tells me, uh, don't say anything. Um, and then the next thing that he said was, nobody's going to believe you. And when he said that, my heart sank because I knew it was true. Because, you know, this was the man of God. Yeah. This is the preacher man. And everybody respected the guy. He was the right hand of the senior pastor. And in my mind, I was like, he's right. Nobody's going to believe me. Yeah. So, you know, it's, 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 it's really a sad story because I, I, I remember the depression came back more than ever. Suicidal thoughts came back. Um, I didn't know how to tell my family. I, I didn't know what to do. And I didn't even know how to tell my family that I didn't want to hang out with the guy anymore, that I didn't want to work with him. So he always will tell me like, hey, um, stay in my house. And I know I knew what that meant. I knew what that meant. Yeah. But if, if I... If I tell my parents, hey, I don't want to stay in this guy's house anymore, I knew that what that entailed was that they were going to ask me why. And there was a secret that I wanted to protect. So I kept going to his house. So every time I stayed on his house, the, the touching and, and the sexual aspect uh, went through levels. So oral sex was involved again. Oh, wow. And here I am, you know, little David again, performing oral sex. And, and this is an older guy too. So I remember I was in my teens already. I was, I was probably in high school already at the time. Yeah. And at one point, uh, he decided to penetrate me. Uh, I, I told him to stop and he will, he will not stop. Um, and again, I, I detached my mind. I decided, I remember I decided to relax so the pain won't, won't be as, as painful, I guess. And I couldn't wait for him to, to, to ejaculate. And then the guy did it in, inside of me and, and I, that for me, I, I felt so disgusted with myself. And, and then after he was done, he just said, go, go take a shower. Uh, and I felt so used. I, um, I felt, I remember feeling so used and I just forced myself to sleep that night. Yeah. And he promised me that he will not do it again. 
after he asked me one night to, for me to penetrate him and he started crying wow. that he was broke, that not to do it and 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 I, I I honestly tell you that I wanted to do it because I wanted I wanted him to feel what I felt uh, but but then I stopped and you know it's he promised me that he will not do it again, but then your old sex always continue. And, and I didn't know how to escape that. I didn't know how to tell someone, hey, the man of God that you think that is a man of God is actually the devil. And, and I could tell you that I questioned God. I questioned God. I blamed God for everything. And, and it, it didn't stop until... Um, I, I met this girl at a youth camp, and yeah. I guess he noticed that I was really interested in this girl. And he told me he told me that he will not bother me again, and and he did he did. I um, by then I I started to look for another job, oh, wow. but the job that I looked for was to escape the church, to escape the relationship, to escape everything. And, you know, I, I had other encounters with other women uh, in that job, excuse me. And I, I knew that I was not gonna be able to make that girl happy after I, I proposed to her. Yeah. So I, I broke the relationship. She never knew, she never knew why I did it, but I, I knew that I was never gonna make her happy. Um, I, my mentality back then at that moment was that I needed to go out with as many girls as possible just to suppress yeah, the, the memories and the, um, the traumas that I had with men. Yeah. Um, and then I met my wife uh, at her house through another coworker. And because her coworker, uh, her the coworker is a, a child. Uh, they had a, a friendship friend that was, you know, little little girls. So she told me, I said, well, I, I want to meet your your friend." So I met her, and we started we started dating and whatnot. So then I proposed to my wife, and the first thing that people will ask me. Who's gonna be the best man? And they will mention the you pastor's name. And and again, me for trying to protect my my secret. I I made him the best man of our wedding. Oh, wow! And, and that is a shocker. Um, I know that that is a shocker for everybody. Um, but I wanted to protect my secret. I, I didn't want to, I didn't want people to ask questions like, oh, what? Because in, in people's eyes, we were best friends. And he would tell people, oh, David, that's, that's my best friend. So I didn't, if, if I didn't pick him, I didn't want people to ask me why. So he became our, our best, our best man, uh, for our wedding. So when we got married, a few months passed by until we moved to Tampa, Florida. And, you know, I thought that I was 
good. I was okay. Nobody knew my secret until 2011. The new pastor got arrested because I guess he continued with the same, uh, you know, taking advantage of of, of uh, little kids. Uh, by then he was, he already has he he already had his own church, so he he got two counts. I guess two kids uh, came forward, and yeah. they were able to prosecute him. Yeah. Um, but I, I I know there was more, I know there was more kids because even uh, one of my nephews uh, was involved. Because one of my nephews he confessed to me that he. He was molested by him, and he didn't testify. Um, but only only two kids uh, testified. So from 2005 through I think 2008 or 2009, yeah, um, they prosecuted him because of of that time frame. Um, and then I I even got contacted by the police over there in Puerto Rico. My name got thrown out there without my consent. Uh, when the news broke out, I knew that my secret, I could no longer hold my secret. Um, I, yeah. My wife was so devastated. She she asked me for a divorce. <laughs> I don't blame her. I, I'm laughing now, but uh, back then when the news broke out, I was so depressed. I was, I was yeah. ready to end my life. Uh, that very same day, if it wasn't for for uh, my pastor back then, that he asked me, "Hey, were, were you molested by this guy too?" And I had no other choice but to tell him, "Yeah," because you know they yeah. put two and two together. Yeah. Um, and he asked me over the phone, and I hung up on him and everything. And he knocked on my door, and he, if he didn't, if he would not go to my house that day. I would have ended my life because I was ready. That day I was ready. And mind you, I already had a title of uh, associate pastor. So yeah. I was a leader and everything. But I was I was ready to end my life right there. And if it wasn't for him and my wife, that gave me another chance because I, I, I had to tell her everything. The reason why I, I kept that away from her. Because she was devastated. Like, why is this guy... This guy in our wedding pictures. Yeah. Did, did you had a relationship with him? What well, What is it that you, that you did? Like, uh, you know. So I explained to her everything, and and I I think if it wasn't for for my wife, I, I would not be here today. Because she she gave me another chance, uh, in multiple occasions because. There was there were times that I would go to church and I would tell her, "Listen, I I'm not gonna go into church. I'm just gonna drop you off and I'm gonna leave. I don't want to get into church today." Yeah. And if it wasn't for her insisting, because I I was planning just to drop her off and just ride my car into a wall or into a cliff, whatever, whatever. I, I was. I just wanted to end my life because uh, the news broke out through through all the news stations in Puerto Rico. So it was all over TV, social media. Yeah. Uh, it, it got over here into the states. So so oh, people that knew me, you know, you know, they were gonna ask questions. So the shame 
uh, played a big part of me being depressed. I, I had to be on pills for for a few years uh, yeah. to the present. Uh, I um, I asked my primary doctor. She was a female, and I told her, "Listen, when you send me to a specialist, uh, they, they need to be females as well. I I can't." I was so depressed. Uh, I, if if I would if I would go to a doctor's visit, and it, and the doctor was a male, I would I would feel so uncomfortable. Uh, yeah. All these memories were done in me again. I mean, it was yeah. I was a mess. I was I was a mess. And the thing is that my dad, he he had a prostate cancer. So wow. so basically. I've, I've been checking my prostate since I want to say I want to want to say 33, 34. So going going to that visit to that doctor's visit. Oh my God, that was that was so uncomfortable. Like mentally, I was a mess. And and the thing is that you know my my female doctors would tell me, Hey, listen. I could check you, but you know I have small hands, and and I, you know I had to send you to to a male doctor, and that for me, I mean, oh my God, I, it, it was it was not it was not good at all. It was not good at all. I was uh, I was so depressed that I I needed to be an antidepressant, and yeah, I will. I don't even know how I function sexually with my wife, I was so detached. Like I could tell you that we had sex, but I was detached. Um, yeah. I could tell you that emotionally I wasn't there. I was not there for my for my kids. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to be in my room. Um, and I didn't want to talk to nobody. So if it wasn't for my wife, I can tell you that my wife fought for me a lot. She fought for me a lot because she understood a lot. And when I when I told her everything, I mean, she understood, but I didn't know that she was suffering too. Yeah. Uh, it wasn't until we had a, a meeting with uh, the the pastor that we have now that I was able to hear her side of the story. And my God, man, that woman suffered so much. And, and my oldest son too, because I mean, while he was, what one of the things that I noticed is that while he was growing, yeah, that's when all the memories came back, all the suffering, like uh, around this year was when I was molested, around this year within, yeah, and all this anger that I have bottled in, inside of my heart will will just burst out, and I mean it could be a, a calm day, and something will trigger memories, and I will, and this anger will just come out. So you know, I I made, I made my family suffer quite a bit, well, quite a lot, I should say. Yeah, um, brother, I just want to say. You're a strong person. Strong person. All that you have endured, man. Um, I, I, 
I get it. You know, I was sexually abused too. And guys that's listening, people that's listening, I usually don't do this episode like that, but you know, with sexual abuse survivors, I like to open it up like this to tell their story. So men that suffer in silence can listen to this and want to speak up and get help. Um, you know, I was molested by two of my cousins and um, it's crazy how you said you were molested and you said the stuff that happened, you know, just this last year, I just started saying what happened. Like I was mad at my friend. I'm like, yo, I said, I was molested, you know? And when you saw people you were sexually abused or molested, they don't know what it is. They just assume what it is, right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. I told my friend, I said, you know, I had to um, perform oral sex to my cousins, you know? And I said it like multiple, multiple times so you can get it. I felt like I was just fighting. Like this is what I had to do and stuff like that. Like certain stuff, like if I'm at the barbershop getting a haircut and my barber be like, He'll tell me like blow a bubble or something like that, so he cut a certain way, and I'm like, mm-hmm. I can't do that. It makes me think of sexual abuse. Um, yeah. I had, um, I'm really uncomfortable around men. You know, I don't have that many male friends at all right now. I really don't. Um, I get uncomfortable. Um, I was hanging out with a group of guys that I know, and one of my best, one of my best friends. We, I said, let's hang out. Let me try this. Did not work. You know, I was on yeah. my phone. I was not in a conversation. Um, I was just so depressed and stuff like that. So your story, man, um, like I usually don't do this episode like that, but I wanted to hear your story because I know that your story is strong, man, and there's testimony in your story. Um, I know people, like it may seem like it's not, but you know, we go through the stuff, you know, God will never put much on us that we can bear. And um, I'm so, 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 so sorry for all you have been through, brother. So, so sorry. And I want to say something because I know you mentioned you had suicidal thoughts, you know, um, sexual abuse, guys, it will mess up your self-esteem issues, relationship issues, um, trust issues. And since he mentioned suicide, I just want to say anybody that's struggling right now with any thoughts of suicide or suicide ideation, there is a suicide prevention lifeline, dial 988, any sexual abuse survivors, you've been sexually abused, you know, um, you can look um, rain. I think rain.org or on Facebook, the Survivor Circle. That's where I met. You know, that's where I met David at. You know, um, there's a group of men yeah. um, that's out there. You know, shout out to Robert Marshall, um, Nolan. He put me on to the group, and you know, the book Echoes is dope. You know, different male stories. Like I thought I was the only one. I thought I was the only one that was sexually abused, but when I got introduced to this circle and I'm just like damn like I'm not the only one you know reading the book I'm not the only one you know um like guys if you are struggling with suicidal thoughts please dial 988 or get into some type of community that can look like a church group um a support group you know I volunteer for NAMI I lead and co-facilitate support groups they're free they're not intended to place therapy and, you know, get into therapy too. You know, if you don't to just get into therapy, we need everybody here, especially our men, you know. And I want to get to my next question for you. Um, what are some coping skills you can recommend to somebody that's dealing with mental health problems? What was that again? What are some coping skills you could recommend to someone that's dealing with their mental health problems? Listen, one, one other thing is that. <clears throat> that I could say because, you know, I, I share my story and, and I went into detail because I learned that I had to be honest with myself. I had to be honest with myself. And 
one one other thing that pain does to you is that it wants to keep you silent. And and the reason why is because there's power in talking. There's power in talking because you you have to release all that pain that is inside of you. Yes. So my my one of the things that I learned with with Marshall, that guy, man, I I I I really love that guy. Uh, one of the things that he told me when you know we were forming this this book. And and one of the conversations he tells me, David, I, I, I noticed that you just giving me the cookie cutter version of it. Uh, and I could hear in your voice that you're still still struggling. And and I know that without reading your manuscript, that you haven't been honest with yourself. <laughs> in my mind, I'm like, who is this guy telling me this? Uh so you know, you, you got to be honest with yourself. I know that you cannot talk with everybody, but I can tell you that talking helps. Um, you just got to find like the groups that, that you mentioned, Alik. Uh, and, and that's when you're going to feel empowered. You're going to feel empowered because you, you're going to see that you're not the only person that has been going through this. Yeah. And you need to find a support group that is gonna see you as as you are um because that's that's the problem that we had i mean we we wanted to be seen and and that's why i learned that that's why i kept going back uh because it felt good that they were seeing me but at the yeah. same time without me knowing they were hurting me wow. so you know it, it's, it's it's something that you have to find a way of letting someone help you because there's people out there that want to help you. But if you don't let them help you, uh, you're going to be struggling uh, and you're going to continue to struggle. Uh, one thing that I learned was that I, I, um, I created this jail or this defense mechanism what I build walls around my heart because I needed to protect my secret. I needed to protect my feelings because every time I will open up to a male figure, they, they will they will drop me. But I didn't realize that for me, when I built those walls, I was not letting nobody in, but I couldn't get out either. Yeah. So that's the problem that we have as men because of Again, we go back to the beginning of the podcast where we were talking about the stigma because we we gotta be we gotta show character. And at the same time, the little person, the young, the younger you is still suffering inside, right there. Yes. So so I I needed to go back to the younger me. And and to those people even though they were not present but I spoke to them and and I released all that anger um, one thing that I want to that I want to share is that I I that there's a video that I have out on social media it's a Spanish version that I again I, I just gave out a cookie cutter like oh yeah I was molested and whatnot so my sister 
my sister called me one time when she saw the video. I guess somebody showed the video to her and and she asked for forgiveness. Um and and I I told her that I already have forgiven her. I um I mean she couldn't stop saying I'm sorry and, and you know what she told me at the end? I was also molested. So and then for from another family member. So you know, this is a vicious cycle that we that you and I have the power to break it. Yeah. And the only the only way that we can do that is by speaking, is by being on these type of platforms and share our stories. Yeah. I, I I know I'm a even though I'm a social trauma survivor, I'm a man. And I can honestly say that I'm in a better place. So I don't know if I answer your question, but <laughs> a, listen, listen, this is a different like like I said, this episode, these episodes, this episode is different because it, it hit home for, it hits home for me because I've been sexually abused. So you know, I like how this conversation is going. And it's listen, if you didn't answer, you're still telling your story. But I want to say to you, um, man, like, again, your story is powerful, bro. Like, um, I hope to one day meet you, um, like, man, like, well, yeah, I hope to one day meet you. I just got to get over this, you know, be a couple around a lot of men. That's just, that scares me still. But um, uh, my last question for you is um, what you got, what's going on with David? Like, what's next for you? You know, let's talk about some stuff that make, that you got going on, if you can't talk about it, you know, what's going on yeah, for you? Yeah, yeah. So I have a book coming out uh, this spring. Uh, it's on the editing uh, stages right now. Uh, Robert Marshall is helping me with that. And like, if you are writing a book, everybody that is hearing me right now, if you're writing a book, get in touch with Robert Marshall. Um, he's the guy. Um, and so I have that going on. Uh, I, I've been throughout my healing uh, journey. Um, I, I have been able to help other younger male that have struggled with that as well. Um, just by talking with them of what I went through and just hearing them out. Um, and so I have that going. Um, I'm an associate pastor, uh, believe it or not, even though one of my sexual traumas was in a church, um, I, I have to recognize that, um, uh, you know, I, God is not the one to blame for what a person did to me. So I'm an associate pastor and I'm a preacher, um, uh, I'm a speaker. And I cannot wait for this book to come out. Listen, you are one of the first platforms that that I'm speaking about my story, and the book is not even out yet. So I cannot imagine what's gonna happen once once that book is out. Uh, this is it's been an amazing, amazing journey. I can tell you that I have tried so much writing that book. So it, it's it's been a therapy for me writing the yeah. book. Even after I had that conversation with Robert Marshall that he told me I had to be honest with myself, I had yeah. to go back 
<laughs> and open that document and say, okay, here we go. I got to be honest with myself. And I yeah. cry so much because I'm, I'm giving details like that are, you know, they were in the deepest parts of my heart and they're going to be there for everybody to read them. And, and I know that uh, it's going to impact so many people. Um, I want to say thank you for coming on the podcast. Thank you so much. Um, that book, when it comes out, I will be buying it. I definitely will be buying it. Like I brought Echoes. I definitely was supporting. Like guys, you'll see um, David again on another episode of my podcast where it's nothing but groups of male um, survivors. Um, he's definitely going to be on another one. I just wanted to do one with him one-on-one to get to know more of his story and his story. I can't wait for the book. Like, I can't wait for the book. And I agree with you. My book was short. I wrote a short, I want to do my, my first book was short and I just want to do, tell my story short. But um, like I told you, um, David, before I'm working on, I'm trying, I'm about to start working on a second book, you know, um, yeah. we're living that trauma, man. Like I, it took me a year to go back to the book. Um, even though it was short, I just living that trauma is no joke. When you got to write about it, live that stuff over no, again, man. it's no joke. But like I said, I will be supporting the book. And Listen, I, wanna... I, I, I started my book so many years back yeah. and I will stop because when it gets to a point where I'm, I noticed that I've been vulnerable. Yes. Like, no way. No way. No. Yes. And I will put it away. <laughs> I will put it listen. away. <laughs> <laughs> listen. Listen. There happened to me plenty of times. I'm like, I can't. I was, this is too much. And I was sitting in my room. I was like, oh my God, this is a lot. Like living this back up. Even when our survivors, we tell our story, sometimes it could be a lot, you know, just reliving stuff and everything. Yeah. But like, the again, the mentality that we gotta have is that it's not gonna be for everybody. That your book is not yep. gonna be for everybody, but it's gonna be for those male survivors, and they're gonna understand. And it's gonna click with them because I'll say, okay, so he was willing to put himself out there. Yeah. So then there's a chance that I can live. I can live. So yeah. just go for it, man. Let's do. I want to see that part too, man. Come on. Hey, um, you definitely will. <laughs> I just gotta get into the bag and write it. But thank you for being a guest. Thank you for saying yes at this last minute. Um, guys, follow um David on Facebook. Um, David Torres. Um, he's nice. so dope. He's so dope. You will see his book coming out this year, hopefully soon. Uh, we definitely are gonna run it up and support him. Um. I love you, my brother. Thank you. I love you too, man. Thank you so much. No problem. Thank you.